with Delfina Morganti Hernandez. Delfina is a language nerd with experience in transcreation, copywriting, video game localization, and interpreting. She also has her own podcast, Founded in Transcreation. Delfina is a clever hybrid, for real. Thanks for being here with us today, Delphi. Hi, Gabby. Thank you. Thank you very much for having invited me to your podcast and for calling me a clever hybrid. Let's see <laughs> if I'm up to the task. <laughs> well, definitely, I think so. I wanted to ask you, where did you get your hashtag from? Hashtag Orange Power DMH. I know DMH is your initials, but what's Orange Power? A couple of years ago, I was starting to use Instagram as a social media platform to build my own community and connect with other foreign speakers and just to explore with the use of Instagram. One random day, I don't remember when exactly, I just posted something with an orange. I, I already had preference for orange the color orange and for orange the fruit this sounds very superficial but i assure you it has a deeper explanation than it than it might seem i just posted that and used the hashtag orange power for the first time and then i decided to keep using it for some people there is this thing called synesthesia that they can feel things through senses for example by just seen an image maybe i feel that i can touch something in that picture a mixture of senses that is not perhaps the most traditional response to that stimulus so the hashtag has to do with the idea that orange as a color entails a certain positive energy good vibes creativity and all those concepts that i from my perception associate with the color. Of course, at the time, I, I hadn't started using it as a symbol for my brand. All these connotations that I felt, I had to actually instill into the hashtag. It was just a newly born asset for my brand. So that's something that you can do. I always say that brands are not built overnight it's really a strategy when i realized that some people liked it that people responded to it there was even a young lady who posted a picture of herself with oranges in her hands and somewhat questioning why why are you posting things with oranges there was someone who said but if you don't sell orange juice then why on earth are you using an orange as a symbol for your brand <laughs> So I, I began to take these questions from, from the community and try to figure out how I could connect my own personal subjective preference for the color with my brand. And I discovered that there is a trademark already in use, of course, of a company called Orange Power that actually sells something connected with energy and electricity and thought, okay, that's not where I want to go. So I added my initials, Orange Power. DMH to make it more distinctive and more appropriate to what I was actually trying to convey. So whatever color you use for communicating your offering should be connected with the values, the concepts, the free associations that you want to trigger whenever other people feel your brand. 
It's really cool. Yeah, I really like the orange. It makes you stand out. You often have orange lipstick too. <laughs> yeah. So it really yeah. makes you stand out. It was a nice choice. Well, thanks. Thanks. You give a nice example of a Coca-Cola campaign on your podcast. Could you explain what transcreation is and how it worked in that case? Well, transcreation is hybrid since we're here at Clever Hybrids. It's a hybrid as a service. It's a multidisciplinary service combining knowledge and skills pertaining to marketing, advertising, literature, rhetorics, of course, language. It's a step further from translation in the sense that as a transcreator, you get the chance to stray further from the source without having someone telling you, oh, that's not accurate, or oh, hey, you've added something, or you've omitted something. Transcreation is usually essential in order to convey messages that have a highly creative tone, input, essence, like slogans. Certain product names are actually transcreated. Sometimes video game content as well, of course. Book and film titles. It's often the case that a film title, for example, in English, is something that we can barely recognize as Spanish speakers in my country and culture because it has been twisted between inverted commas so much so that the name actually resonated with us so that we actually went to see the movie or bought it and actually watched it. Well, that's transcreation. It's a combination of several different fields in order to focus on recreating the effect of the source text in the new culture of reception. Whenever that's not done, you get a, a funny slogan or a slogan with a sexual connotation that shouldn't have that connotation, or a movie that's barely comprehensible from its title, or a video game that really you don't want to play anymore, <laughs> or you laugh and you make jokes about it, <laughs> of the scripts and the dialogues. So transcreation is there to somehow bridge the gap and truly do it from a cultural uh, sensitivity perspective. Well, the Coca-Cola example, I don't quite remember the year of the campaign that I used as an example of what transcreation can do for a brand specifically. The slogan was Coca-Cola is it. That was a campaign slogan and it has been translated into several Spanish variants. For one, it was Es sentir de verdad, which is a Something like it's feeling for real or it's feeling actually from English into Spanish and then from Spanish into English again. That's where you will notice how the transcreation service works in the sense that you will probably never end with a translation that mirrors the original message word by word. So transcreation is exactly that being able to twist the source, to, to stray from it in order to focus on recreating the effect. Okay. One thing that people always get confused is the difference between translation and interpretation. What is the main difference? We may think that the main difference is translators 
work with written texts and interpreters are actually working with verbal communication. But that's not the only difference. When you're translating, you have the chance to look up words in dictionaries, talk to experts, look for the precise term, and sometimes that may take hours, minutes, days. You may get the chance to wait for someone to answer a query that you have regarding terminology, regarding the source message. I think timing is actually a key difference in the sense that interpreters, regardless of whether they are consecutive interpreters, simultaneous interpreters, like at the Oscars, for example, or at the United Nations, you don't really have much time. You have to be very, very well trained, not just to speak fast, but to speak keeping pace with the actual speaker, but also with regard to terminology, because whatever term pops up, you should be able to render it in the most accurate way possible, whether it be at a hospital, when you're trying to bridge the gap between a doctor and a patient who don't speak the same language, or again at the United Nations, or at a conference. You have much less time to really think before you move. <laughs> you have to train those skills, reaction, short-term and long-term memory, being resourceful and emotional intelligence. I think that's key because maybe the speaker makes a joke. You don't fully get and you still need to render it. You're still there. You can't just disappear go look for some word or replay or anything. It's happening. So you have to be trained in forgiving yourself as well if you don't manage to do it perfectly. It's, it's one of the most demanding jobs in the world for human beings. So yes, you have to be ready and you have to be present. I think mindfulness is something that every professional interpreter should train in that will prepare them for the very stressful situation they will be finding themselves in when they actually have to do the interpreting job. Takes a lot of focus. So you are a very qualified and interesting professional, but everyone's been affected right now with the pandemic. How has it affected your business? Thanks for the compliment, Gabby. My workflow was affected for the first time for me. I know that translators generally do have these feast and famine cycles. That was never true for me. When I discovered my marketing as a discipline, an art, almost a science for some, I started using it as much as possible. I always say that you have to look for your next job while you still have a job, whatever the industry, whatever you do, especially as a freelancer, it's your job to look for a job <laughs> all the time. I'm an extrovert. I do that easily. In fact, if I worked for a company in-house, I would probably ask to be placed at some position where I have to talk to people and do sales. <laughs> but sales from the point of view of connecting with others and being able to show them the value. With the pandemic, of course, I wasn't immune to that. And, and I saw a reduction in my workflow, especially mid-April, 
May, those were the key months where I, I suffered from this very big change that we're still going through worldwide. Things are more back to normal now, although I still see some peaks that I didn't used to see. For example, this week I was packed with work from almost every client I have. Last week I was more in relaxed mode. I could do a lot more content creation for my, my social media platforms without rushing. I think that little by little, I hope rather, that little by little everyone every business learning as fast as possible from this situation can go back to normal we'll have to see how it goes with your business you also have a background in marketing and advertising along with transcreation you mentioned in one of your linkedin articles that you feel marketing is about a humanized experience where people can connect with your brand would you give an example of how a a solopreneur or a company could create that type of experience? Translating your marketing strategy into communication that, in spite of the distance, somehow connects with the other person. Every move you make and every move you don't make will influence how others see you perceive you and remember you, try to define a voice. Are we a brand that likes to use wordplay? What is our cause as a brand? What drives us? Why do we even exist? Don't make it about what you can gain. People are not walking pockets full of money. People are people in the middle of a pandemic with problems, with a desire to be amused whenever they use social media, with a desire to learn. If we talk about LinkedIn in particular, we are going there to learn and share. We need to create more empathy and to build trust. Perhaps you never really end up selling anything to this particular person you're connecting with right now but that's okay maybe they refer you to someone else maybe when they need something that you offer they remember you they won't remember you because you tried to sell them the first time you connected with them they will remember you because you built trust because you were sympathetic with their own circumstances and so on. What I'm trying to say is we need to go back to that state of being where we were just socializing, not even networking, interacting, being present, trying to step in the other person's shoes. Of course, that takes a lot more time, a lot more time. You have to customize your messages. You have to scan the profile of this other person you want to build a connection with, that takes a lot more time than just creating one template. Otherwise, you're just treating the other person as some kind of robot with pockets full of money ready to spend that money on you. Yeah, you definitely have to treat them with respect. Like you said, it's a very difficult time for most people right now. You want to build a long-term relationship, it's going to take time. Exactly. Most people 
when they don't know much about marketing, they think, okay, so if I learn the basics, I will get clients tomorrow or next week. It doesn't work like that, especially as a solopreneur. I can tell you from experience, it doesn't really work like that. When you have to do the marketing efforts, the job, remember when to take your own breaks, it can get really stressful. Planning in advance is actually very important. And being able to change the objectives, also the plan in the course of events, is also necessary. If you're not flexible and if you hate yourself the moment you don't achieve your own goals, you can't really move on and do something in order to get somewhere better. For those who are listening, who maybe work as part of a team, practicing what you preach is really important. If you're a team leader, a manager, or someone in authority, to have others see you as a role model is really key. It's not really about being a leader. It's about being consistent. Whatever you do, whatever you say, if you expect others to do it too and to do it like that, then you have to be consistent. Brands need to be consistent in order to build trust. Yeah, those are good insights to avoid burnout too. You speak four languages, English, Spanish, French, and Italian. Most people stop at two if they learn another one. Why did you decide to keep going? I started with English when I was four. I was sent to the bilingual school. I really loved it, but I was four years old. It's not something that I decided to learn. I have to attribute that to my mom. Thank God. <laughs> By the age of eight, I, I moved to another bilingual school. Everything was in Spanish except for Italian which was the foreign language that we were learning. Then what I did pursue as a study of a foreign language is French. I was about uh, maybe 23 years old or so. For me, French is the language where I, I can be responsible, where I can, I can make mistakes. It's all right. I won't have to translate <laughs> necessarily. It's not that my job is at stake or my reputation as a professional is at stake. French is a language where I really go back to that stage when we were kids. I know, Gavi, you too, you speak several languages. When we were kids and we were just learning, we weren't really focusing on whether we were using the right grammatical structure or the perfect collocation. We were just using language to play and learn. French, for me, is that playground platform. I tried doing drama in French for two years, singing, writing literature, everything that has to do with creativity, because for me, it's experimenting with the language. I'm usually not my classmates' favorites in that sense, because I always want to raise my hand and, and participate. I'm like a kid. I'm really like a very unbearable, badly behaved <laughs> child when I'm learning a foreign language that for me is like, okay, I can do whatever here and just play with the language and, and be someone else. That's one of the most wonderful things we get to do with languages. We can be someone else. Our voice changes, our articulation changes. It has to, if we want to make ourselves understandable, 
everything can be slightly different and and you get to imagine yourself in a different world culture is is it true for you am i just am i crazy what <laughs> no you're not crazy i feel that way too and if you're not having fun with it then what's the point you have to find some way to make it fun for yourself <laughs> yeah like you you do it with drama for me i try to see if i can explain a learning point in another language right now i do volunteer work in the Eritrean community it's a small country in east africa but most of the other learners in our group where we're helping native speakers are native german speakers so i try to explain how to speak the Eritrean main language to Grinya to them in German. So that's fun for me. People think I'm crazy, but it's fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel that being a, a polyglot, someone who speaks so many languages, has been an advantage for you? I can access content that my friends can't unless they read through or watch through translations and subtitles, films, books, websites. Whenever I heard a tourist speaking English, I tried um, talking to them. That led to a cultural exchange without really moving from where I live. I got to meet people from abroad and learn not just different words, but sometimes even make friends that whenever they come back and visit the country, they, they come to where I live because we've become friends despite the distance. An advantage is you may have the chance to enjoy more things that are only carried out in one specific foreign language. Languages are all different ways of seeing and interpreting the world and coding and decoding the world. You get a great advantage in terms of perspective. I'm not saying I'm better or better informed. I'm saying I know perhaps more ways of seeing and interpreting the world by default, because that comes with learning a new language, than maybe someone who has been born and raised everything, for example, in Spanish, and that's it. Maybe they weren't curious about foreign languages. For me, I need something else. I, I have a curiosity for languages in general. That's a key advantage. Being able to learn the nuances is quite interesting to appreciate when you're learning different languages. That's true. What encouragement or advice would you give to someone who maybe has started and they're struggling to learn another language? Mm. I'd say go a little bit crazy. Talk to yourself out loud. Language can be a disguise somehow. And think of that and, and take that as your chance to think, okay, it doesn't matter if I make mistakes. It doesn't matter if I don't get to invest as many hours per day as I thought I would. I will do my best for 15 minutes and I'm present. If you dare... Talk to yourself while looking at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Be bold. Impersonate your favorite actor using that language. 
try to play with the idea that you're learning, like you said, Gabby, for fun, not just for your job. If you only focus on, on the fact that it's something that you must do, it's too much pressure. Relax a little bit and improvise. If you don't know the specific word, you can always paraphrase with the four, five, fifty words you know in that language already. A classmate who said to me, oh, it's amazing, you talk a lot, you talk a lot in French. How do you do it? I said, I'm bold. I, I know I don't know every word. I know I will make mistakes and I still do it. I forgive myself before I make the mistakes. Otherwise, I wouldn't. And they said, no, but I don't know so many words. It's not about lexical knowledge of the language. It's about being bold and pretending that you know, <laughs> right? Improvising and pretending that you can actually keep up with someone in that language. If you don't start there, you will never get to speak. You will always be shy and always think, oh, I'm not ready yet. I still need to learn more. No, start talking and listen and talk and listen and talk. Use the input from films, from audiobooks. If you have the chance to talk to someone who's a native in that language, send them WhatsApp voice messages, <laughs> have them respond to you in that language, get used to the accent to the point where you are so familiar with it that you start using it yourself. I think we have more in common than I thought. I look forward to talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. I don't know if I've, if I've answered your question. I think maybe I talked too much, <laughs> but well. No problem. Those are very good points that you made, but Delfina, if someone wants to contact you about your services or just get more insights from you, where can they get in touch with you on social media and your website? LinkedIn would be a good place to start with my full name, Delfina Morganti Hernandez. Whenever you, Gabby, post this episode, I think you will probably have to write it so people will know how to spell it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, LinkedIn would be great. I really like using LinkedIn. Okay, and what's the address of your webpage. A combination of English and Spanish. I was trying to avoid using it, but since you've asked, <laughs> it's en.traduccionescreativas.com. Don't worry, I'll just put a link in the Okay, so thank you. That's a relief. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite listening app to hear other episodes. For more info about our courses, editing services, or our scholarship program, look at our website, cleverhybrids.com. You can also find the transcripts and show notes for our episodes there. This is Gabby V. Until next time, learn by doing and asking.